move us along a little bit and say, no, although it seems like foolishness to the world, it's actually wisdom. And so that's where we're picking up right now. You know, I, um, I learned something fascinating this week. Well, fascinating to me. Maybe you all know this already because you're smart people. But did you know that there are 500 hours of new, fresh video content uploaded to YouTube every minute? Every minute of every day, 500 hours. That, like, blows my mind. We have this unprecedented access to information yeah. and seemingly, like, functionally endless sea of voices speaking into our lives, or it can be, into our circumstances, plans, ideologies, decisions, right? And I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, my goodness, I worked for a construction company a little while back, and if I didn't know how to roof a house, guess what I did? YouTube. It's true, <laughs> and I'm not the only one doing that. So <laughs> when you're hiring these guys, like, they're youtube it too. So it's really helpful uh, for things like that. But the point is, there's a lot of voices, right? A lot of people with a lot of different types of wisdom who are vying for our attention, saying, come Come listen to me, believe this, or here's what is true about the world. And we actually have, we have a choice to make, which I really, mm -hmm. I think is one of the big themes we get here yeah. in 1 Corinthians 2, is yeah. like this choice, these two types of wisdom, right? The wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the natural man, or the, the, the spiritual life, God's wisdom. And, and uh, it's not a good deal for the wisdom of the world. It's really not. You, you see there in uh, uh, verse 6, it's not a wisdom of this age or the rules of this age who are doomed to pass away. Yeah. I th here's an example of that. Uh, this is what I've been thinking about. The wisdom of this age, like we, we already have seen this happen, right? If, if, when you talk to your parents or your grandparents or if you have great-grandparents alive and you hear some of their views um, or you look back in history just a short way and you hear like views from people not that long ago, you might cringe a little bit like, <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't... That, <laughs> I can't believe they think that way or thought that way. Uh, and we can say that about a whole lot of topics. In fact, you know, in our culture today, we think we've, we're at some pinnacle like that, you know, of moral authority. But the fact is, 20 or 30 years from now, I'm sure the people look at, at, back at, at our culture now and say, oh, what, I can't believe they yeah. thought that. And I think that, that proves this point of, like, that are doomed to pass away. Like what we think is wisdom is so temporary. Yeah. I, like it, it's, it's, it's not true wisdom. And um, so the sentence that you should walk away with tonight is this. You cannot understand spiritual things apart from the Holy Spirit. You, you just can't. That's why it seems foolish to the world. Uh, and, and that's... That's the simplicity of this paragraph, and that's Paul just unpacking this, um, this passage of Scripture there. Uh, he gives this example, the rulers of this age. Uh, when he talks about the rulers there, if you flip to, flip to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. So if, if you remember last week in the text, um, Paul gave the example that Jews look for a sign and the Greeks look for uh, answers. Well, in Luke 23, uh, we actually get a living, breathing example of those two. Right? Uh, look in 23, uh, verse... Uh, just, to, just to go a little deeper there, 
What he says in the week before. Again, I'm just trying to catch up. If you weren't here, that human wisdom, he says, that the world is looking for is going to be either through signs, like to show the great power, like, you know, if if God is true, he's going to show up in this way. We're going to, you know, ask God to do this great miraculous thing. Or through wisdom, uh, through answers, okay? Like, we, we need to know that there's a reason for this to believe in this God. And so... Right, that, and, we, and we can land in either one of those camps, and sometimes we may bounce from one to the other. Yeah. But this, it's not new, right? So 2,000 years ago, you had two guys who yeah. were rulers. Yeah. And in 23, verse uh, 3, Pilate, who, who is a, a Greek uh, Gentile, says... Um, he asked Jesus, Jesus is in front of him, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, you have said so. So Pilate is wanting an answer, right? Step down to, uh, he's, all right, so then he's sent to Herod next. Herod was the, um, the acting king of the Jews. He's a, he's a Jew, and um, verse, eight verse 8 of 23, when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So you've got Pilate and Herod, two rulers who uh, are looking for what Paul says their people look for, an answer or a sign. And what does Jesus say to them? To Herod, he says nothing. And, and to to Pilate, it's, uh, he just goes, yeah, yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> I think what Jesus is doing there is he is saying, I am your sign and your answer. Right in front of you. And neither one of these guys see it. And Paul points to this. Again, last week he, he made the statement at the beginning of chapter 2. Um, well, I mean, multiple times in chapter 1 that Christ, the wisdom of God, the power of God, you know, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. And then here in chapter 2, uh, verse 2, he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Like I was weak in, with, in, in weakness, I was with you in weakness, my message was not plausible words of wisdom, right? So he's, he's making that point, but then right here in verse 6, he says, yet among the mature, among the spiritual is another way you can see that, we do impart wisdom, right? So there is, there is wisdom. It, it might almost seem like, wait, you're saying two different things here, but as we get into verse 7, which if I can just, if I can just have like a minute in verse 7, I spent almost my whole week in verse 7, so like I don't have much to say except about verse 7 tonight, um, about what is it that, <laughs> I'm just being real, what is it that, that Paul's saying we impart? Right? Yeah. I mean, he lays it out. Mm. To me, this is maybe the most loaded verse in this section. So just if you will stay with me for one second. This is huge. And I just, I want to I wanna talk about 1 Corinthians 2.7. So Paul comes out of this huge sweeping statement of like, we don't speak the wisdom of the world. Uh, just Christ and him crucified. But we do impart wisdom, but it's not the one of the rulers who will pass away. Uh, we impart, listen to this, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Like every little piece of that sentence is just like dripping with meaning. Um, so let's just, let's just take it one little section at a time. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Don't think Gnostics here, okay? Don't think like it's this thing you have to be super smart to figure out. Paul has already made the argument. He's already prepped you for that. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about here. This isn't something you get by human wisdom. So 
this secret and hidden wisdom of God. This concept is all throughout Scripture. It's this idea of a mystery that has been revealed, right? Something that was hidden intentionally that has been revealed. Um, That secret hidden wisdom, that mystery is wrapped up and revealed in the cross. That's why Paul keeps pointing to the cross, the cross, the cross. Think about what was going on here. And Joel, you already kind of referenced this. Like the Jews were expecting a reigning king and mystery revealed, they got a suffering servant, right? (laughs) They were expecting a throne and mystery revealed, they got a cross, okay? They were expecting salvation from Rome for just the Jews. Instead, they got salvation from sin for all nations. So this was this hidden secret mystery that was revealed, okay? And Paul says it's his job to reveal it. This secret hidden wisdom of God, what's the next line? Which God decreed. God determined. God planned the cross. Okay, let that sink in. This was not God's plan B. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the Trinity up in heaven. Like, what do we do about this whole, like, Jesus dying thing? Mm -hmm. I guess we'll raise him from the dead. No, God's purposes were not thwarted by man's ignorance. This was something God decreed. Before the ages, it says. So this is not a response to Christ's death. It isn't even a response to original sin, right? God didn't see what happened in the garden and be like, oh, we got to figure this out. No, it says before the foundations of the earth, God had planned for this to happen. According to Ephesians 1, guys, if you were in Christ, if you're in Christ, you were adopted before you were born. Okay, just think about that for a second. According to Acts 17, this same God determined or creed, it's a very similar word in the Greek, the period of time, like 2020, you'd be right here, and the, and the location geographically where everyone would live, okay? So God determined before the foundations of the earth to adopt you as his sons, where in history and where in the world you would live for a God-ordained, God-glorifying purpose. So finish this sentence. The wisdom of God, the secret hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Okay, yes, for us to be glorified through faith and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ at the end of all time. Yes, that. Yes and amen. But that can't be all. And here's why. Because my kids ask me this question a lot. They have amazing questions. And one of the questions they ask is like, why, I just want to be in heaven right now. Like if we love Jesus, why can't we just be in heaven right now? I don't get it. And that's a good question, right? If it's all about future glorification, if it's all about us being in heaven with Jesus, why is it not the moment you say yes to Jesus, you're transported to heaven? You ever thought about that? Like why is that not the way that it works? The reason we're not zapped to heaven at the moment of conversion is that we have a purpose here on earth. And that's part of this mystery revealed, right? In Colossians 1, when Paul talks about the mystery, he says it's Christ in you. The mystery revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We get to be part of the story. We are bearers of Christ, Christ in us, lights in darkness. In Ephesians 3, Paul talks about the mystery. He says it's his job to reveal this mystery hidden for ages in God. Listen to this. This is why this context makes sense in Corinthians. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church, God's wisdom made known. So here Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, writing to a church with divisions and sins. He's saying, guys, don't be distracted and miss the point. We're here for a purpose. We impart the wisdom of God. We reveal the mystery. So put this all together. For those who are in Christ, Before the foundations of the earth, God predestined you for adoption, determined when in history and where on earth you would live, and gave you his spirit, indwelling spirit, so that through the church, God's wisdom will be made known. Point. Being part of a church is not a consumer experience where you come to receive. Being part of a church means we join with God in this epic cosmic rescue mission. Again, the Jews were expecting God to build an earthly kingdom for us. But the mystery revealed is that God is building a heavenly kingdom through us. 
And it is our glory to be a part of that story. That, I think, is what we see here in 1 Corinthians 2.7, the secret and hidden wisdom of God. God decreed before the ages for our glory. Like, see it and see yourself in the story. The thing is that... <laughs> I don't even know what to do after that's one verse. Amen. Let's let's yes. pray. Come on, let's pray. Um, no, I told you that's all I have. I've been seriously just meditating on that that's verse. That's amazing. All week. It was. That's amazing. But but to go off of that, I mean, um, it's it's secret and hidden so much so that the disciples didn't see it. Yeah. Yes. The disciples did not see what was happening. I mean, Peter tries to stand in the way of Jesus when he says, "I'm going to the cross," and and he says, "Get behind me, Satan," because uh, that secret and hidden wisdom could not even be seen by his closest companions while he was on earth. Mm. And so it took the work of God to, to bring this about. And, and so we have Herod and Pilate, same thing. This, it says in verse 8 that um, if they had known this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Little did they know they were <laughs> pawns in the story as yeah. they were asking for uh, an answer and asking for a sign they're in the middle of actually watching or, or being a part of this unfolding, this secret and hidden wisdom of God. And so this church, this young church that's got division, remember, this is in the middle of an argument, uh, of, of Paul making an argument of why they should not have division, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's because they have the mind of Christ. They're part of this bigger story. And, and he doesn't bring that... Uh, that point about divisions to a close until the end of chapter 3. So this is, this is in the middle of you should not have divisions because you're part of a bigger story and you shouldn't think like the world. Yeah, and it's ridiculous to boast, right? I mean, it keeps yes. coming back to this idea of like pride is the source of so much of this. Like how ridiculous is it when you realize like even... Even if you're understanding this right now, like it's because the Spirit's allowing you to. So you can't boast. And, and it, it, it does. It, it should create in you not an arrogance, but an, under, an, an understanding of uh, how humble you have to be to come to God. Right? You have to acknowledge, I can't do this. Right? If the disciples spent um, every day with him, mm -hmm. For three years and, and didn't get it because they didn't have spiritual eyes, then we, we, we can't think we're any better off, right? We have to have, look, look at uh, verse 10. God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? So you know what you think, right? How many times have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they go, well, I know what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And your response has been, you have no idea what I'm thinking. <laughs> if, you, if, you've, if those words have never come out of your mouth, you're not married. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trust me. It'll happen. Um, you, you know your own thoughts. But, but what if? Right? This is where uh, the, the work of the Spirit matters. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Look at verse 12. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Here's why. Mm -hmm. 
if you underline things in your Bible, you should underline this, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Yeah. That's I, the tweet. I made a list in it like just in 10 <laughs> seconds. So I know I missed a bunch of stuff, but I was like, well, what did what was freely given us by God? And I just started writing things down like righteousness, sanctification, justification, eternal life with God, freedom from sin, access to the throne of grace with confidence, reconciliation to God, rescue from the wrath of God, glorified new bodies in heaven, the spirit of God in us, participation in God's redemptive plan. We're agents of reconciliation. We have peace in this life that surpasses understanding. We have no fear in death. We have purpose in life. That was like 30 seconds of just like, these are some, and I missed like a thousand things. Like the Spirit was given us so that we would understand that. And you mentioned the disciples. They're such a great example of this. Just think about it. Think about these guys. They were uneducated fishermen. They had no idea what they were doing, right? They were the rejects from from Bible college, right? (laughs) They didn't make it, and so they had to get a job. And then Jesus said, I want you guys. And and Peter, even to the end, is denying Jesus in front of an 11-year-old girl because he's too nervous, right? Three times he denies Christ. And then what happens? He gets the Spirit of God, and yeah. what happens? He is bold as a lion. Yeah. Yeah. He's up preaching the gospel because he's filled with the Spirit, because I think partially or fully because of this, because he understood what was freely given by God. Guys, if we understand that and we walk in that same power, then, then we'll be like Peter, post-Holy Spirit. Hopefully not pre-Holy Spirit Peter, because he was kind of a punk. But post-Holy <laughs> Spirit Peter, my goodness. So the natural person can't determine these things they can't discern them yeah who can know the things of god the spiritual person well who is who is the spiritual person how do you how do you appropriate this well in um let's jump down to verse 15 and 16 because i want to get to this piece of it the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. That, that doesn't mean you're not, uh, it doesn't mean you're infallible. All right? Yeah, I want to talk about that in a second. So you, keep going, uh, <laughs> Who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Think about that. When, when I opened and I asked you to think, what if you could think somebody else's thoughts? What if you had the ability to think like someone else? You, you understand that's what Paul is saying here. We have the mind of Christ. It's not the only place Paul has used that phrase. Mm-hmm. In, in the letter to the Philippians, mm-hmm. um, Philippians chapter 2, he encourages the Philippians, have this mind in you that is also in Christ. And that passage in Philippians 2 is a passage about Christ humbling himself, taking on the role of a servant, becoming obedient to death on the cross. And Paul is saying, this is the mind that is in you, one of uh, humility, one of a servant. And you can't come to God arrogantly. It has to be this sense of, I am, I am broken, I am needy, I need to be rescued. Yeah. And, it, and it, it literally cannot happen. That's what Paul is saying to us here. It cannot happen because we have been blinded. The great irony, Joel pointed this out backstage. The great irony is that it happened to our first parents. Joel reminded us that when in Genesis, when uh, 
the serpent walked into the garden. You know he walked in, right? He crawled out. <laughs> Says to Eve, your eyes will be open. The great irony is blinded from that point on. Not able to see spiritually from that point forward. Look back at verse 9 for a second because there's an important part of this verse where Paul's quoting from Isaiah 64 kind of loosely. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So, so our eyes and our ears and our hearts, like they, they have not been able to see until now, until this secret and hidden wisdom of God has been revealed. And why was it secret and hidden? Well, we've, we've talked about that some, but like, like you said this, this morning, that, that commentator who brought out the idea of, of how God wanted to deliver this in the first place, right? You can help me out here. Yep. But it's through a personal means. It was secret and hidden until the time in which Jesus came and to deliver uh, this rescue of us in the most personal way possible by coming to a cross to die on our behalf. And so it's in... in through relational terms which, in which we know God, what God has prepared for those who love him. So, so us loving God, us in this humble stance of, God, I don't, I don't know how I'd ever see spiritual things except through you, allows us to have the door open to spiritual truths through a personal and a very humble manner. Like when he says, with the mind of Christ, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus, who emptied himself, who, 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 who dipped to the lowest level. That's, that's our stance. For us to receive this message of Christ crucified, it begins with humility. And here's, here's the thing. God's, God's not asking us to adjust our way of thinking to him so we can understand him. That's not what this is. That's not us, you know... Walking in with our ESV study Bible and memorizing the study notes because I know God. That's not what this is. This, this gets at the, long, the deepest longing of every human heart. Mm. I want to be known. Yeah. Not judged. Not, like I, I want somebody to know me and love me and I want to become fully human. That is what this is. This is God. Humbling himself. Right? What were you going to say? Go back to Luke 23. Yeah, Luke 23. Who, who was the one person who received the message? So go back to Luke 23, because there is a guy in this chapter that actually sees it. And it's the most shocking guy in the entire scene. Right? If you're familiar with the story, you already know this. So Jesus is crucified like a common criminal between two criminals. Look in verse 39 of Luke 23. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? There's a question, looking for an answer. Save yourself and us. Give me a sign. Me a sign. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This guy sees the exact same thing everybody else is seeing, but he gets spiritual eyes. And he sees the Lord of glory crucified like a criminal. It's the most dehumanizing way you could die. Stripped naked, exposed, mocked, beaten. But this guy sees the king of glory. And Pilate and Herod and the other criminal, nobody in the crowd can see it. Why? He had his eyes open spiritually. That's the invitation, I think, for us is to understand that this starts with humility. I don't know. I think it's just because I want to right now and I can. This, today, it happened for us and our family that my 10-year-old daughter, who we've prayed for since the day she was born, that her eyes would be open spiritually and she's very skeptical in nature. Um, and you'd be surprised what a 10-year-old can understand and know. But today, she came and said, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to follow Christ. Mm. And we said, okay. Praise God. Huh. That's awesome. It was amazing. That's great. And you should be more excited about that. <laughs> it's a, look, I know we're Baptists, but it's okay to act like we're alive. You have permission. <laughs> Thank you. But it really was demonstrating in her life because she, she's like a skeptic at heart of, of um, like having to drop those things mm. that would keep her from Christ. And to say, I, as a first, any firstborns in here who think they know a lot more than everyone else, um, <laughs> who, someone who thinks she knows a lot, even as a 10-year-old, you know, her saying, okay, I don't know. Mm. And coming to God with that sort of humility. And so I think that's like right there, that's, that's where it begins for us tonight to, to be able to drop to our knees and say, Jesus, if, if it weren't for you opening my eyes, I would have never received this. God, will you open the eyes of those around me too? Yeah. God, will you open the eyes of people sitting in this room tonight who have not had their eyes open to you? Lord, we want to know you and follow you and and. and see the glory of the cross so that it changes every part of us. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think sometimes in texts like this, I know I wrestled with it this week, you can kind of almost find yourself going back and forth between, okay, like, I can't, no one can understand this unless God opens their eyes, and then at the same time, there's a choice to make. Are we going to follow the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God? And, and you, you find yourself in that same kind of tension that you see all throughout scripture of like the responsibility of man, the yeah. sovereignty of God, right? And, and he, I even was talking to my wife ab about this, like which, which, which side do we preach? Of course, the answer is both because it's both, it, they're both there. Mm -hmm. But just let's just talk briefly for a second about this contrast, guys, because there is a choice for everyone in this room right now. Whether you are a follower of Christ or not, you have a choice. Okay, yeah. so listen, the contrast between human and spiritual wisdom, wisdom, because whether you realize it or not, all of us are swimming in human wisdom every day, like a fish that doesn't know it's wet, right? That is what is all around you, coming in from every side. And one role of the church and of Christian community in your life is to be a source of truth, right? 
to be a source of grounding truth to combat any lies of the world around. We impart spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. So again, I like lists. So I made a list here too. I was just, and it's even color-coded. A list of human wisdom and, and spiritual wisdom. Just think, if you're a follower of Christ right now, think, which of these am I believing? If you're not a follower of Christ, just see which one seems right to you. Does that may indicate what the Spirit might be doing in your heart? Human wisdom says, you do you, boo. Right? Spiritual wisdom says, be conformed to Christ. Human wisdom says, fight for your rights. Spiritual wisdom says, give up your rights. Mm. Human wisdom, live for yourself. Spiritual wisdom, die to yourself. Mm -hmm. Human wisdom, follow your heart. Spiritual wisdom, the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? Come on. Right? Human wisdom, you can do it on your own. Spiritual wisdom says, you can't do it. But in Christ, you can do all things. Human wisdom, boast in your strength. Spiritual wisdom, boast in your weakness. Right? Human wisdom, you only live once, YOLO. Spiritual wisdom, you actually live twice, and the second time is forever. Okay? Just putting that out there. That's good. Human wisdom, be afraid, be anxious, be worried about tomorrow. Spiritual wisdom, fear God alone and don't be anxious. Human wisdom, make lots of money, save, invest. Spiritual wisdom, don't store up on earth, store up in heaven. Human wisdom, all paths lead to God. Everyone goes to heaven, love wins. Spiritual wisdom, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. These are two ways to live, two types of wisdom. And like I said, you both, everyone has a choice to make. If you're a follower of Christ, just ask yourself, is there somewhere in there? This is application, right? Is there somewhere in that list where I am believing actively today, this week, this year, I'm listening to human wisdom. I need to repent and then start believing daily, actively. Not just like a one-time, oh yeah, I know that's true, the Bible said it. Like a daily functional belief in God's wisdom. If you're not a follower of Christ tonight, but you hear this and it sounds good. If it sounds lovely, if it sounds like honey on the lips, like gold, like treasure, that means Christ is knocking at the door. Because mm. again, you can't see it as wisdom unless God shows it to you as wisdom. If you see it as folly, then pray that God would show it to you as wisdom. But if you're seeing this for the first time as wisdom, then as Joel was just sharing, like, I mean, there's, there's a choice to make. There's a choice to make right now. Say, Lord, I want, I want your spirit to be in me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can, you can do that. Like, that's... That's, that's a choice. I want us to close tonight by spending some time praying. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's weird about the cultural moment we're in is I don't know if we can pray in huddles, so we're not going to. But I do want us in, in this moment to ask God to just examine us. Are, are, we, do, are we really living in this truth that we have the mind of Christ? Mm. That, that we've, we were dead. We were brought back to life. So let's take a few uh, seconds and just pray. God, show me. Are, are there places where I'm doubting this truth that I, that I have the mind of Christ?
pray and ask the Lord if there is a person, a specific person. Ask God to give you a name of someone uh, that you need to share this mystery with. Mm. That maybe, maybe you've been afraid to have a conversation with them because uh, you couldn't give them a sign or you couldn't give them an answer. Just And all you really need to give them is Jesus. So ask God to reveal that person to you right now. And then the, the last thing is this. It's, it's for um, the person in the room who you know. You have been on the outside looking in. And perhaps even tonight, the, for the first time, the blindfold is off. And, and you see the king of glory. Would you just acknowledge tonight that uh, you can't save yourself? That you are like that thief on the cross. And that if you got what you deserved, it would be ultimate death and separation from God forever. But that Jesus has died the death you should have died live the life you could not live so that you could have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. I, I would plead with you tonight. Mm -hmm. Call out to the King of glory to save you because he will. Father, it is a humbling thing as human beings particularly of Americans, to uh, have to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers, that we are weak, and that we have to be rescued. But God, it's true about us, and let us revel in that truth, that we need a Savior, and we have one. His name is Jesus, the King of glory. So, Father, I pray tonight for all of us that we would live like we believe it, like the words that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit are true, that we have the mind of Christ. And there, there's no need for divisions among us. There's no place for pride among us. But that we would, we would love one another, we would serve one another, and we would proclaim Christ and Him crucified to a broken and dying world that desperately needs to have the blindfold removed so they can see with spiritual eyes. So, Father, you do your work in us that only the Holy Spirit can do. And again, we thank you 
In Jesus' great name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Oh, next week, next yeah. week. Next week. Just quick heads up, uh, plan is. We're, we're going to have, if you're in town, I know it's Labor Day, if you're in town, we'll have the grill out here, same time, 8 o'clock, we'll throw some burgers on the grill. You will get a, uh, an invitation to that. We kind of need to know. You know, I want to buy like eight burgers and a hundred of you show up. That would be awkward. Uh, so, uh, but next, if you're in town next week, we'll fire the grill up right out here under the pavilion. And that's the plan next week. No worship service. So no eight o'clock worship no service. No eight o'clock worship service. We'll be service. back here in two weeks for this service again. So join us here in two weeks for this. And if you're in town next week, 9 a.m., outdoor yeah. service. Yep. If you're in town, join us for the 9 a.m. outdoor yep. service. And if you're like, how do I keep up with all this? Go to watkinsville.org slash college. And you can see announcements on there. Or even better, sign up for the email list where we send out updates as needed. So watkinsville.org slash college. Do that. Don't, don't forget. Yes. Now you can go. Right. See ya. Have a great week. <laughs>